Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, coming to you live from, well, not live, but coming to you from Cabo. I, uh, Cabo San Lucas, I have never been down here. And a group that I was in decided to have a meeting down here. We came to an all-inclusive. So I'm sitting here looking at the ocean uh, from my room. I've got a bottle of tequila that's part of the all-inclusive sitting right next to me. I have partaked one drink. Uh, well, I, when I got here, but then the all-inclusive part gets can wreck you pretty quick. And so I was a little bit wrecked the first night I was here, but doing good now. Uh, got to do a little scuba diving today. We went, uh, my wife and I went out to, it's a pretty famous area called the Arch of uh, of Cabo, I believe is what it is, and uh, or the Cabo Arch in it's pretty famous. We got to dive that, and there's sea lions out there. And there was also um, we got went underwater, and there was this huge school of sardines. And I mean, it looked like there was I don't know a million fish around us. If you got in the middle of them, you could not, you couldn't see. I mean, they were so thick. And I, I filmed it. It was really neat. It was a little chilly. We had to wear wetsuits, but overall, really great, great diving. Going to go again tomorrow, and then snorkeling with the group out to see some whale sharks. So that should all be pretty exciting. Um, I've been listening to a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and I want to actually play some of his uh, and talk about Atomic Habits. That uh, It's a very interesting book. Highly recommend reading it, and the people that I have recommended it to have all said they liked it. I actually haven't finished it. I'm getting in the habit of starting a new book and talking to you about it, about what I learned from it, and see if you if you got the same things from it. But I can tell you that early on in my business, um, my habits were very different and they also led to, you know, kind of the downfall of my business at one point. And I couldn't see the habits so much when it was happening versus I can look back and see the habits. And I can tell you this too, the habit of being around different people in my life, the habit of being around you know, what I would say was winners or being around positive people and being around people who are successful in business or successful in life really rubs off on you in a weird way where like you can just be talking and they can say something and it can change your trajectory or you can watch them do something as one of their habits. And you're like, man, I need to do that. Um, you know, Conversely, you can be around people who are doing bad stuff all the time and you may recognize it first, but later you're just like, that's who they are. And then and then worse, you're like, yeah, that's OK. You can do that. And I think for me, this is very uh, the habits that you have, the results that you have in life are pretty much uh result of your habits. You know, if you've got a lot of good habits, they compound into a positive outcome. And if you have bad habits, they, they compound into a negative outcome. And in this book, you know, he talks about how 
doing anything once, good or bad, you're not going to see the result, right? If you if you go to the gym once or even for a week, three days, five days, you're really not going to see any different. And also, if you eat cake, you know, once a day for a week, probably no different. And it's it's a small it's 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 adding up the small moves in the right way or the wrong way. And it compounds, you know, for me lately, I've had just crazy amounts of health issues pop up. And the compounding factor of that is I haven't been able to go to the gym and I haven't been able to do those things. And I can feel it building up in my in my body. I can feel me losing strength. I can feel me losing flexibility. I can feel, you know, I'm gained some weight. So you add all those up and even though the habit or the reason I stopped doing something was legitimate and and not because I've I'm not doing the real positive thing in my life that is adding up slowly over time week after week month after month that I can't do the very positive thing I was doing is adding up into a result that I don't like. I mean, today when I went scuba diving, I was really tight trying to get my my wetsuit on and trying to get my fins on. I just felt really like not great. So, you know, I'm 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 here. I'm 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 putting it out there to the world that, you know, I'm going to get back in the habit. Even if I'm if my, you know, issues, whatever I have, I'm going to work around it. You know, I was with my friend Alan Rush uh, last week when we were in Florida at a meeting there, and he's like, you know, I, I had this excuse not to work out because he, you know, he has he suffers from like a, a vertigo thing at times, and it can be debilitating for him to not be able to. I don't think he would mind me saying that. I hope he doesn't. But you know, it's just he just and he would have a reason why he can't, you know, work out on the treadmill because he would he could get dizzy. And the doctor's like, well, man, there's a million other things you can do. If you, you know, if you want to work out, you can work out. You just don't do the treadmill. For me right now, I've got a pinched nerve again. And yeah, I can't lift my arm very well, but I could do other things. I could get on the treadmill. I could do things. So I'm, I'm saying this podcast as much for me as it is for you listening, but you probably have some bad habits. You probably have some things you do that you know aren't the greatest for you. You know, you go home, you sit down at, at night and you you watch some TV that might not be great for you or you play video games, you know, once or twice or something, not, not a bad deal. But if it becomes a habit, then that's where the compounding effects of habits come to play. So I'm going to play some of his his audio book because I, I really like hearing from the author. So you hear it the way I heard, I heard it exactly and I don't miss something. So let me play some things for you and then comment on them. So hang on one second. So in this first clip, he talks about the success of the British cycling team. They went from one of the worst teams ever to one of the best teams ever by a series of small changes. And he explains those small changes uh, in detail before this clip I'm going to play. And and they literally just they went through every single thing in their cycling team all the little minute things and worked on them and changed them into becoming one of the best teams there is. So that's what this first clip is going to, is going to actually be referencing. How does this happen? How does a team of previously ordinary athletes transform into world champions with tiny changes that at first glance would seem to make a modest difference at best? Why do small improvements accumulate into such remarkable results? 
and how can you replicate this approach in your own life? Why small habits make a big difference. It is so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. Too often, we convince ourselves that massive success requires massive action. Whether it is losing weight, building a business, writing a book, winning a championship, or achieving any other goal, we put pressure on ourselves to make some earth-shattering improvement that everyone will talk about. Meanwhile, improving by 1% isn't particularly notable. Sometimes it isn't even noticeable, but it can be far more meaningful, especially in the long run. The difference a tiny improvement can make over time is astounding. Here's how the math works out. If you can get 1% better each day for one year, you'll end up 37 times better by the time you're done. Conversely, if you get 1% worse each day for one year, you'll decline nearly down to zero. What starts as a small win or a minor setback accumulates into something much more. You can see a graphical representation of this idea at atomichabits.com media. This is also where you'll be able to access all of the pictures from this book. Again, that link is atomichabits.com media. Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. The same way that money multiplies through compound interest, the effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them. They seem to make little difference on any given day, and yet the impact they deliver over the months and years can be enormous. It is only when looking back, two, five, or perhaps ten years later, that the value of good habits and the cost of bad ones become strikingly apparent. This can be a difficult concept to appreciate in daily life. We often dismiss small changes because they don't seem to matter very much in the moment. If you save a little money now, you're still not a millionaire. If you go to the gym three days in a row, you're still out of shape. If you study Mandarin for an hour tonight, you still haven't learned the language. We make a few changes, but the results never seem to come quickly, and so we slide back into our previous routines. Unfortunately, the slow pace of transformation also makes it easy to let a bad habit slide. If you eat an unhealthy meal today, the scale doesn't move much. If you work late and ignore your family, they will forgive you. If you procrastinate and put your project off until tomorrow, there will usually be time to finish it later. A single decision is easy to dismiss. But when we repeat 1% errors, day after day, by replicating poor decisions, duplicating tiny mistakes, and rationalizing little excuses, our small choices compound into toxic results. It's the accumulation of many missteps, a 1% decline here and there, that eventually leads to a problem. The impact created by a change in your habits is similar to the effect of shifting the route of an airplane by just a few degrees. Imagine you were flying from Los Angeles to New York City. If a pilot leaving from LAX adjusts the heading just three and a half degrees south, you will land in Washington, D.C. instead of New York. Such a small change is barely noticeable at takeoff. The nose of the airplane moves just a few feet. But when magnified across the entire United States, you end up hundreds of miles apart. I geeked out and actually calculated this. Washington, D.C. is about 225 miles from New York City. Assuming you're flying on a 747 or an Airbus A380, changing the heading by 3.5 degrees as you leave Los Angeles likely causes the nose of the airplane to shift between 7.2 and 7.6 feet, or about 86 to 92 inches. So a very small shift in direction can lead to a very meaningful change in destination. Similarly, a slight change in your daily habits can guide your life to a very different destination. Making a choice that is 1% better or 1% worse seems insignificant in the moment. But over the span of moments that make up a lifetime, these choices determine the difference between who you are and who you could be. Success is the product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformation. That said, it doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you are right now. 
What matters is whether your habits are putting you on the path toward success. You should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than with your current results. If you're a millionaire, but you spend more than you earn each month, then you're on a bad trajectory. If your spending habits don't change, it's not going to end well. Conversely, if you're broke, but you save a little bit every month, then you're on the path toward financial freedom, even if you're moving slower than you'd like. Your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. Your net worth is a lagging measure of your financial habits. Your weight is a lagging measure of your eating habits. Your knowledge is a lagging measure of your learning habits. Your clutter is a lagging measure of your cleaning habits. You get what you repeat. If you want to predict where you'll end up in life, all you have to do is follow the curve of tiny gains or tiny losses and see how your daily choices will compound 10 or 20 years down the line. Are you spending less than you earn each month? Are you making it into the gym each week? Are you reading books and learning something new each day? Tiny battles like these are the ones that will define your future self. Time magnifies the margin between success and failure. It will multiply whatever you feed it. Good habits make time your ally. Bad habits make time your enemy. Your habits can compound for you or against you. Here are some examples of positive compounding. Productivity compounds. Accomplishing one extra task is a small feat on any given day, but accounts for a lot over an entire career. The effect of automating an old task or mastering a new skill can be even greater. The more tasks you can handle without thinking, the more your brain is free to focus on other areas. Knowledge compounds. Learning one new idea won't make you a genius, but a commitment to lifelong learning can be transformative. Furthermore, each book you read not only teaches you something new, but also opens up different ways of thinking about old ideas. As Warren Buffett says, that's how knowledge works. It builds up like compound interest. Relationships compound. People reflect your behavior back to you. The more you help others, the more others want to help you. Being a little bit nicer in each interaction can result in a network of broad and strong connections over time. And here are some examples of negative compounding. Stress compounds. The frustration of a traffic jam. The weight of parenting responsibilities. The worry of making ends meet. The strain of slightly high blood pressure. By themselves, these common causes of stress are manageable. But when they persist for years, little stresses compound into serious health issues. Negative thoughts compound. The more you think of yourself as worthless or stupid or ugly, the more you condition yourself to interpret life that way. You get trapped in a thought loop. The same is true for how you think about others. Once you fall into the habit of seeing people as angry, unjust, or selfish, you see those kind of people everywhere. Outrage compounds. Riots, protests, and mass movements are rarely the result of a single event. Instead, a long series of microaggressions and daily aggravations slowly multiply until one event tips the scales and outrage spreads like wildfire. So I know I let that run a little bit long, but that this whole book, I could just, you know, I just recommend it. And then I'm probably going to play some clips from it over the next couple of weeks because I find it to be fascinating for me, you know, again, to look at yourself and sometimes you can't look at yourself, though. Sometimes you need somebody else to, to call you on. And I say this quite a bit. And sometimes I I call people on stuff. You know, I my friend. The other day, and I, I won't, I won't talk about who he is, but many years ago, he had uh, when he was starting his his own company, he had uh, a name for his company that was two words combined into one word. And sometimes, again, I, I talk about that in marketing. My company, Ashbusters, is two words combined into one word, and sometimes that's a good thing. But in his case, it was it, it just didn't sound good. the The way it's the way when you said the words, it just didn't it just didn't roll off your tongue right. And um, 
you know, he showed it to me. He goes, man, I said, I don't, I don't love it. And Jim Brewer, the other day we were on a meeting, he said, man, if Mark tells you he doesn't love it, you might as well just shut the door, slam the door. It's over. He shouldn't do it. But I told the guy that and he, and then I also said, Hey, you know, there's another real obvious name for your company. And, and sure enough, he switched it to that. And and most people, a lot of people in our industry know his company, but it, they know the new name. And I have a habit of telling you what I think. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it can be bad, but that's a habit I have. It's good. A habit I have that I used to have that's bad that I've been better at is I had a habit of avoiding conflict in my business. I had a bad habit of it and I've talked about it a bunch. But when I look at habits of here comes a conflict and I'm just going to hope this person doesn't, you know, doesn't do it again, or I'm going to just kind of hint at it that it's a problem. Or I'm going to uh, avoid it till next time. And then when I do uh, address it, I'm going to be real easy on it. I had a habit of just making, sometimes making my problems worse by really not addressing them head on. And um, so, and then there can be a fine balance to that because since then I've gotten a lot harder and some people say you've gotten a little too hard. You've, you've lost that, you know, fluffy edge. And so, Sometimes that is a battle for me to find the edge of of the right amount of pressure versus too soft versus too hard. And, you know, that's leadership in a nutshell to find that balance where you keep people in line without, you know, hurting them. Really, you're trying. And again, if you always come to them at uh, to to help them in, in, you know, your heart is to help them. I think you're almost you're not going to go wrong very often, but but that's a habit that I had to change. Um, I've had several bad habits, uh, you know, over the years that led. You know, one of my bad habits was I don't like finances. I don't like numbers, so my my habit was to avoid it. My habit was to you know figure out the easy way around something, and then you compound that up and then you've got a company that is not financially stable. You know, you have a a business that really isn't running on the numbers. It's running on, you know, my gut ability or my ability to outwork the problem. You know, that was a bad habit. And and again, uh, sometimes habits when you change them, it's not like you're going to like them all of a sudden. You know, you don't love going in the gym. You don't love always eating healthy. That's not what a habit is. A habit you have to do to get the result you want, which means kind of doing something a little bit crappy. A lot of times the people with the most success will do the crappiest things more often than those who are not successful, but they just don't choose to do the hard thing or break the bad habit. And so as my company grew, uh, I either had to change the habit or get someone else to do the habit for me uh, that I was naturally not good at. Um Again, I think one of my best habits when I'm in town is to go into work every morning and meet with the technicians. That to me is a habit that has, I can see long lasting results and I can also feel the results when I'm not there as much. Like in the last few weeks and months, I haven't been able to be there in the mornings as much. And I know that things start to go just a little bit awry or they could be better 
when I'm there just, you know, as part of the team instead of somebody working remotely all the time. So I know for me, I have to get back to to fixing that habit. Also, one of my habits, I've got to get back in the gym, you know. And uh, so for you listening, if you're listening to this, what are your I mean, see if you can put your finger on them like I'm trying to do for myself. I'm trying to put my finger on what do I need to do better? And um you know, what is that? Because if you don't have the result you want right now, um, are you trending toward it or not? Is there a goal out there that you, you know, in, in this book, he also talks about he doesn't really believe in goal setting, which is one of the things I talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is important to me was goal setting. But he says, you know, it's really not the goal that is is what is you know putting a big goal out there is not to him what's most important it is you know putting systems in place to always be striving for it and so um and that makes a lot of sense too and i, I will talk about that clip next uh and so hang on let me let's just talk about that clip problem number 3 goals restrict your happiness the implicit assumption behind any goal is this. Once I reach my goal, then I'll be happy. The problem with a goals-first mentality is that you're continually putting happiness off until the next milestone. I've slipped into this trap so many times I've lost count. For years, happiness was always something for my future self to enjoy. I promised myself that once I gained 20 pounds of muscle or after my business was featured in the New York Times, then I could finally relax. Furthermore, goals create an either-or conflict. Either you achieve your goal and are successful, or you fail and you are a disappointment. You mentally box yourself into a narrow version of happiness. This is misguided. It is unlikely that your actual path through life will match the exact journey you had in mind when you set out. It makes no sense to restrict your satisfaction to one scenario when there are many paths to success. A systems-first mentality provides the antidote. When you fall in love with the process rather than the product, you don't have to wait to give yourself permission to be happy. You can be satisfied anytime your system is running. And a system can be successful in many different forms, not just the first one you envision. Problem number four. Goals are at odds with long-term progress. Finally, a goal-oriented mindset can create a yo-yo effect. Many runners work hard for months, but as soon as they cross the finish line, they stop training. The race is no longer there to motivate them. When all of your hard work is focused on a particular goal, what is left to push you forward after you achieve it? This is why many people find themselves reverting to their old habits after accomplishing a goal. The purpose of setting goals is to win the game. The purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. True long-term thinking is goalless thinking. It's not about any single accomplishment. It's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. Ultimately, it is your commitment to the process that will determine your progress. A System of Atomic Habits if you're having trouble changing your habits, the problem isn't you. The problem is your system. Bad habits repeat themselves again and again, not because you don't want to change, but because you have the wrong system for change. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Focusing on the overall system rather than a single goal is one of the core themes of this book. It is also one of the deeper meanings behind the word atomic. By now, you have probably realized that an atomic habit refers to a tiny change, a marginal gain, a 1% improvement. But atomic habits are not just any old habits, however small. They are little habits that are part of a larger system. Just as atoms are the building blocks of molecules, atomic habits are the building blocks of remarkable results. Habits are like the atoms of our lives. 
Each one is a fundamental unit that contributes to your overall improvement. At first, these tiny routines seem insignificant, but soon they build on each other and fuel bigger wins that multiply to a degree that far outweighs the cost of their initial investment. They are both small and mighty. This is the meaning of the phrase atomic habits, a regular practice or routine that is not only small and easy to do, but also the source of incredible power, a component of the system of compound growth. Chapter Summary Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. Getting 1% better every day counts for a lot in the long run. Habits are a double-edged sword. They can work for you or against you, which is why understanding the details is essential. Small changes often appear to make no difference until you cross a critical threshold. The most powerful outcomes of any compounding process are delayed. You need to be patient. An atomic habit is a little habit that is part of a larger system. Just as atoms are the building blocks of molecules, atomic habits are the building blocks of remarkable results. If you want better results, then forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. You do not rise to the level of your goals you fall to the level of your systems. Gosh, that is amazing. I, I just get so much. That, that's chapter one of this book. Um, and part of also what he talks about is like, you know, one degree better may not do anything. And he talks, he kind of gives the analogy of an ice cube. And if you've got an ice cube sitting on a table and you go from 24 degrees to 25 degrees, Nothing changes. In fact, you can go 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. And then magically at 32 and 33 degrees, something happens. So you can, again, think of that as a habit that you change and you don't see any result like working out or eating right. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden it kicks into gear. It kicks into the right thing and you start to see melting in this case of an ice cube. But anyway, I love that. It's a different take on goals. I don't know that I totally agree with everything on goals because I find that goals help me change those habits. It's like, for instance, one of our goals this year or last year was to get to a certain level of profitability. Well, when I looked at how we were going to do it, I had to go through all of our systems and like shave 1% there, half percent there, 2% there. So I could go through and change all these systems to achieve a goal that we set for ourselves. So I think, you know, if you use those two things uh, in, in conjunction with each other, which is, you know, you want a desired outcome and this is what it looks like. Uh, at the same time, sometimes you cross that desired outlook, that desired outcome, and you just fly past it. And you're like, you don't even, you don't recognize it and you don't celebrate it. And that's another big thing that you have to understand when these systems are working, all of a sudden it gets easier, but sometimes it's almost imperceptible. You have to look back and go, gosh, remember when, or you remember how it used to be and look how much better it is now. When we brought our, our all of our cost control systems in, 
That was one of the hardest things we've ever done. Had a lot of confusion, a lot of fighting, a lot of pushback, a lot of, man, I'm not seeing how this is going to be better. It's a lot harder. It's a lot more work for me now to do job cost and, and do all this prep work before every job. But man, over time, once everybody got used to it, everybody says, man, it is a lot better now. We are so much smoother. We have so many fewer mistakes, uh, you know, that there's less chaos. There's more profitability. So um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed my take on chapter one of Atomic Habits. Uh, I hope you are going to enjoy also, if you have a business, you can have some time off. If you work for somebody, you go do some fun things. Uh, it's been a tough start to 2022 with, with a, a lot of things going on. I know some some businesses that I know are starting to slow just a little bit, and so I hope that's not a a foreshadowing of you know any uh, economy issues. Uh, but you know the the point uh, that I'm making is that you. You know, you if you develop good habits, it really won't matter what happens so much with outside forces. You've got a solid, you know, thing to work on. You've got a solid business. You've got a solid health model, and uh, you will get through it. So, guys from Cabo, I look to see you and talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.